Buenos dias, mis amigos. ¿Cómo estás? Muy bien. Esta es El Lordo of El Stormo, podcasto. And I'm your far from fluent host, Dan Parr. You know, I took two years of Spanish in middle school, three years in high school, and one of the few Spanish phrases I still remember is El carro lo chocaste otra vez, which roughly means the car, you wrecked it again. Surprisingly, I don't normally need to say that in everyday conversation. But hey, I'm glad you're here. Today, we are going to read Romans 9. My reading comes from my easy-to-understand-and-read EUR, New Testament audiobook, which you can own by visiting Amazon.com. It's a great resource to get more of the Word of God in your life. Just search for Dan Parr and you'll find it. Is God Unfair? It's a hotly debated question. Let's ask God to shed light on today's reading. Father, we want to hear from you. Speak to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 9. I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience and the Holy Spirit testify with me that I have great sadness and unending pain in my heart. I could even wish that I were cut off from Christ for my people's sake, those who are my relatives according to the flesh. The Jewish people are whom he chose and showed his glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service, and the promises. They are the fathers, and from whom Christ is descended concerning the flesh. He who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. But it is not as though the word of God has failed, for not all who are Jewish are truly his people. Likewise, just because they are descendants from Abraham doesn't mean they are all his children. But your descendants will be counted as from your son Isaac, it says in Genesis. That means it is not necessarily the children of Abraham's flesh who are children of God, but those who are children under the promise are counted as heirs. In Genesis, the promise is recorded, At the appointed time I will come, and Sarah will have a son. Not only is this so, but Isaac, the son who is our forefather, his wife Rebekah also gave birth. And even before the children were born, before they even had a chance to do anything, either good or bad, but so that God's decision would be the deciding factor, not based on works, but only on him who decides, it was recorded in Genesis, he said to her, the older child will serve the younger one. Even as it is written in Malachi, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What can we say then? Is God unrighteousness? No, may it never be. For he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then, it is not us who chooses or works for it, but it is God who has mercy. In Exodus, God says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I caused you to be raised up, that I might show in you my power, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then, he has mercy on whomever he desires, and he hardens whomever he desires. You will say then to me, why does he still find fault? For who can withstand his will? But who are you, a mere human, to argue against God? Will something that is made ask the one who made it? Why did you make me like this? Or doesn't the potter have the right to make the clay whatever he chooses, from the same lump to make one part a container for beauty and another for trash? What if God, who can show his anger and make his power known, has had great patience and put up with his containers that have angered him and are prepared for destruction. And what if he makes known the riches of his glory on the containers that he shows mercy to, which he prepared beforehand for glory? That is us, who he also called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. As he says also in Hosea, I will call them my people, which were not previously my people, 
and loved who were not previously loved. And it will be that in the place where I said to them, You are not my people, that they will be called children of the living God. Isaiah also cries concerning Israel, If the number of the children of Israel are as many as the sand on the beach, only a remnant who will be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because the Lord will do it quickly on the earth. As Isaiah also said before, Unless the Lord of armies had left us a seed, we would have been abolished like Sodom and destroyed like Gomorrah. What can we say then? That the Gentiles, who didn't follow after righteousness, achieved righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. But Israel, following after a law of righteousness, didn't arrive at the law of righteousness. Why? Because they didn't seek it by faith, but only tried to achieve it by works of the law. They stumbled over the stumbling stone, even as it is written in Isaiah. Look, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and no one who believes in him will be disappointed. Throughout the letter to the Romans, Paul wants to make it clear that the choice of salvation is just that, a choice. It's not given by divine right. It's not given just because you were born into a certain religion or nationality. It's given to anyone who chooses to accept it. And knowing that his fellow Jews would not make that choice, it cut him to his heart. He has so much love and concern for their spiritual well-being that he says if it were possible, he'd go to hell and give them his salvation. That's how much he cared, that he would take up eternal damnation so that they could be saved. But as we know, it doesn't work that way. We can't make a choice for someone else. Each one of us is responsible for ourselves. If we go to heaven or hell, it's because we either made the choice or decided not to make a choice, which in and of itself is a choice. And to drive home that fact, he tells them in this chapter, It's not a failure of the Word of God. It's a failure of people. The Jewish people were not seeking the righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus, their long-awaited Messiah. They believed they were owed it by God because they were descendants of Abraham. They misunderstood or failed to understand the promise that was given. They didn't apply all of God's Word. They picked and chose some parts, ignoring others, because it didn't fit their ideas. Now, for a while, I had a problem with this chapter because of my own misunderstanding and not applying all of God's word. Previously, when I read this, I would take it as God hardened Pharaoh's heart, he loved one child more than another, and he might do the same thing to me. But I didn't fully comprehend what Paul was saying. First thing is, keep it in context. Paul is talking about the Gentiles coming to salvation. The Jews received the promises, but God's plan all along was to include the Gentiles, which simply means anyone who would come to him by faith. So while Paul uses examples of individuals, he is not saying that God randomly decides who he is going to accept and who he is going to reject. He's telling us here and in other places that God knows his children. He knows who is going to believe and who isn't. Before they were even born, God knew that Jacob would have a heart of obedience and Esau wouldn't. He didn't make them that way, but he knew how they would respond and act. And that is the reason why Paul asks us, who are you to question God? We don't have the whole story. We can't see into the future. God can. He's already been there, knows the outcome of everything. I watched this old Ben Affleck movie last week called Paycheck. Yeah, yeah, Ben Affleck. It was on. I had nothing to do. Don't judge me. (laughs) Well, anyway, 
In it, he willingly forfeits millions of dollars for some random junk. It doesn't make any sense. I won't go into all the plot details, but the gist of it is he knows what the future holds and the money is going to be worthless. Because he knew the outcome, he did something that seemingly made no sense. But if we knew how the story was to end, it made perfect sense. In a crude way, it's like that. God knows what makes sense long term. We don't. So instead of accusing him of being cruel or unfair, let's become more familiar with him so we can learn to trust him more. That is what he wants. He wants a personal relationship with us. And that only happens when we intentionally set out to have one. It is the singular most important thing you will ever do. We're told in his word how the story ends. Make sure you make the choice to follow him. It is the only way you end up with a happy ending when the movie of your life comes to an end. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are good. You are right. You know what is best and that you are love itself. Thank you that you always have the best plans for our lives, even when we don't see it. Help us to trust you when our path becomes obscure. Help us to stay close to you so we can hear your voice showing us the way of life. For the ones struggling today, remind them that you are not only Lord of the storm, you are the God of the calm, and they can have peace that passes understanding by understanding you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. I trust God is speaking to you each day. I know he is to me, and I can't wait to join you again on the next episode. Thanks for listening today. God bless.